Hi, I'm Johnny Profane. Let's kick off Season 2 of Autistic as Fuck Out Loud by taking a risk. There's not much research on sexual abuse of autistic children, much less adults. Maybe funding sources aren't ready yet to stop trying to cure us and study our lives. So here's my story. Someone's got to start talking. I've got to warn you, it's rough. Some was too hard for me to read. So I used an assistive voice synthesizer. Weirdly enough, its robotic voice moves me. If you're autistic, love one, or especially parent one, you need to hear this story. But sexual assault is traumatic. If you experienced it or love someone who has, this graphic episode could disturb you. In the U.S., the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline offers support at 1-800-656-4673, day or night. You'll find a link in the transcript, along with further reading. I call this one, not everyone was my friend, sexual assault and an autistic life. You're not hearing me. Quietly. I hate it when she pauses, then goes all quiet. I think I am. She looks me straight in the eye. I know it's supposed to calm me. Assure me she's quite serious. Not good timing. Eye contact makes me uneasy. I try my usual focus on the eyebrows fake, but I can feel myself building. Maybe she notices my anxiety. Maybe not. But she continues. Please, tell me again what happened. Therapy feels like an elaborate mindfuck. An expensive elaborate mindfuck. I'm 29. I'm smart. I know it. It's fucking Dungeons and Dragons. A role-playing mind game for two. With an all-powerful dungeon master making up rules as she goes. In secret. And then, there's you. You're not allowed to win. This is my third try with a new therapist. I don't get this process. I sigh. Look, nothing really happened. I didn't get raped. It was just... weird. I slump back in the stuffed chair. I grunt. Now I'm sorry I told you. She leans into her desk. It was weird. That freaking compassionate mask. Like a funeral director. Please, try me again. From the beginning, I, I want to understand. Fine. I glare at some imaginary audience up in the left corner of her office ceiling, then roll my eyes and shrug for their amusement. He was sitting in the recliner, in his underwear, sipping scotch, with a book in his lap. Physical memories, the light, the quiet in the house, in my mind, I'm there in that moment. She clears her throat, and then she startles me. I had lost her office for a moment. I'd forgotten where I was. I, you know, I, I focus. Uh, then snap. 
That's when it got weird. Like I said. Her eyes widen. I want you to know that I want very much to hear you. Then, restrained. But I want you to be aware of your volume. You may not realize you're getting louder. Pause. I suspect people might hear you through these thin walls. Pause. Why not imagine we're talking in your living room with other people in the house? We want to hear each other, but no one else needs to hear our private chat. Pause. And please, when you can, tell me what happened next. Okay, okay. I rub my eyes over and over. I see stars stimming. Pause. I swallow, clear my throat, then fast as I can. He said I didn't know how beautiful I was, how I could probably sleep in a different bed every night for the rest of my life. But that would be wrong, and that I knew that would be wrong. He and my mother had raised me to know that would be wrong. He asked me if I was still a virgin. I said, yeah, but I lied, sort of. He said, good. He said he wanted to tell me something before I went off to college. Long pause. Then he got up. Her whisper, what next? A dark rush of words, a vomit of my words. He got up, got close. I could, I could smell, smell the scotch, scotch on his breath. breath. He said not just women would want me, some men too. I would have to make a choice, like he made a choice. Then he pinned me and kissed me and rammed his tongue down my throat and groaned and began rubbing his dick against me. I could feel it through his briefs. It was wet. And I went numb and I didn't move and I was silent inside and there was a flash of light. He looked at me. That's all. Looked at me. And it was like he wasn't there. Again. Like the other times. This weird absent look in his eye and he said that I was the only one. The only one he ever felt that way. I'm fighting to keep my eyes open. What next? I guess I snap at her again. We went over this before, okay? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I was, was upstairs in my bedroom in this weird silence. In the dark. Still in my work uniform. Just sitting. All I could think over and over was I stink and I needed a shower. It was weird. That's all. Weird as fuck, maybe, but it wasn't rape. I, I, I read Deliverance. That's rape. I don't know what this was. But I can't get over how weird it was. I keep thinking about it. And then... The freaking nightmares. Him in that chair. Back. Not dead. In total control again. Drunk. And rotting. Rotting in that chair. Flesh just rotting off his bones. And I'm frozen in place. I can't move. I hear my voice. A hurt child's voice. She sat, quiet, looking out the window. Kind of awkward pause. I'm thinking she's tired of my shit. Trying to figure out the professional way to say, get the fuck over it. John. Again with that fucking pause. I want to hit something. Anything. Stop with these fucking pauses John what if he had done that to your sister like a thunderclap and someone is screaming in the room I would have fucking killed him 
Are you kidding? I would have fucking killed him. John, stop. Sit down. You've got to stop. Please, sit down. Is she reaching for the phone? I snapped too. I'm standing. I'm not in my chair. My arms are waving. I stop. I sit down. I sob. I finally hear me. I don't need her answer. I know. I'm stunned. I start to fall asleep. Back then, I always felt the urge to sleep in emotional distress. Who knows? I might have lost consciousness a moment or two. I had with other therapists. So I start apologizing. There are reassurances back and forth. She gets me water. I sip. My throat hurts. Are you feeling better? I nod. Good. I want you to listen to me a moment. I nod. Having trouble following what she's saying, I say, I'm having trouble staying awake. I see that. You've got a lot to process. She looks down, thinking, then speaks, slow, even. You came to me with several areas that concerned you. Your career, your relationship, your isolation. But when I ask you to pick the first, top one that you wanted to work with, you chose this memory. Silence. Heavy. Like a duty I've got to fill. Yeah. Horse whisper. You want me to tell you what I think. You want to know... Is this event in your life important, or should you move on? Glances at her admission notes, tiniest of smug smiles. She got it right. Honestly, I think you know, then says. I'd like to ask you something. Hard. May I? Awkward silence. Okay. Let's say we were talking about a girl, a young woman. You understand how difficult, how destructive that could be if her father touched her sexually. Even something that some might call minor. Let's say intentionally brushing her breast. She waited for my nod. Especially if it happened over and over. Different people might call it different, harsh things. But you understand. Am I right? Yeah. You were his son. You were 19, beginning to explore adult male sexuality. Pause. So, do you think that fairly explicit sexual activity you just described with your father, that would be easier for you because he didn't actually penetrate you? Do you think it would be less, less destructive for you because you were a male? And then things got real real clear and even more confusing because what she didn't know to say what no one knew to say to me back in 1983 I was his autistic son and of course this was one incident one individual one act and there were other acts other individuals from age three on Everyone's seen autistic children's agony. 
what annoyed adults casually label meltdowns. In social situations, in stores, when senses get maxed out by noises or smells, or atmospheric stress. Imagine an autistic child attacked by a friend, a schoolmate, a parent. The searing betrayal of trust, incomprehensible to our naive autistic neurologies. Now, understand that raging, fear-filled child still lived in me, even as I sat, now adult, before a rather gifted therapist, even as I doused her with the brusque sarcasm and fragile arrogance of a former gifted child. Truth to tell, he still remains in me, mere moments and one too many stressors away, as I near 70. We as a community don't talk about how common sexual assault of autists is, children, teens, adults. Guilt, shame, fear. These are the reasons, I believe. The community of autists, their families, their caretakers. We don't discuss this. Sometimes it seems to me that every autist I know experienced sexual abuse or assault. My story? At best, average. But even, what can we call it, uh, average? Sexual abuse destroys a childhood, an adulthood, a life, many lives, autistic lives, and through us, sometimes other lives. Let's talk about that here, now. Please share in the comments if it's your time to do so. You can comment anonymously on my blog where abusive comments are filtered. More about our community in part two, The Cavalry Never Comes. Stories from one autistic life with abuse symptoms to look for and suggestions for protecting your loved ones. I'd like to end simply. Expect next episode next week with suggestions for protecting against sexual abuse of autists. And, if you share my belief this topic is vital, please share this episode on social media. Better yet, email it to a friend who you believe cares. <laughs>